Hey guys, welcome to a public podcast. My name is Nathan Eaton and I'm the campus pastor at Public Church. Today's talk comes from our current series called The Power of a Letter, focusing on the book of Ephesians. We would love to invite you to join us to be a part of our reading plan that you can access through the YouVersion Bible app. If you download the app, you can click on the More tab in the bottom right-hand corner, then click Events, search Public Church, and there you can save the event. Thank you for being a part of our podcast audience, and we hope you're challenged and changed by today's message. So guys, I want to start out with a question for you, for the men in the room. So guys, what would you do if you met the, your dream woman and you felt like, man, this is the girl, I've prayed about her, and then she moved halfway across the world? Okay, guys, you're no help. Girls, let's talk, okay? The, the guys have no plan. They, if this happens, they're just done. Okay, so, so girls, suppose you meet your dream man, the man that you've prayed about, and then he moves halfway across the world. What are you going to do? Move. I love it. That is commitment. I mean, anybody else? Yes. Say it again. Write letters. I like it. FaceTime. In the nine o'clock, somebody said, get married. I'm like, you know what you want, you know? <laughs> and like, put a ring on him, you know, like, let's go. So here's the thing. I, I can't answer that question for you, but, but I can just tell you what I did. So what I did is I devised a plan to continue to pursue this young lady. Her name is Whitney. In case you're wondering, this is a story about my wife, not about like a previous girlfriend or anything. That'd be awkward. So it's about Whitney. So it's, uh, it's 2010. And in this time, I was beginning to really develop a friendship with Whitney and get to know her. And I really was enjoying that process. And then she decided to move to the Philippines, the other side of the world. And she was going to be gone there for four and a half months. She was serving with the International Mission Board or IMB. We've had other people in our church serve with them. And so she's going to be doing medical missions for four and a half months. So what's a guy to do? Well, at that time, I decided I could email and I could Skype. Anybody know what Skype is? you guys, thank you. This is pre-FaceTime. So you got Skype, what's that? Google it. You'll figure it out. And so these were my tools. I'm like, I can continue to pursue Whitney. We can see how this works out. And it was going well. And about two months in, in February, I was like, okay, it's time for a DTR. Now, what's a DTR? Define the relationship. So how do you have a DTR when the person you want to define the relationship with is on the other side of the world? And I look, Skype was great while it lasted, but it was not sufficient for this. So I'm thinking, what is a guy to do? So I decided that I was going to write a letter. I mean, what's more romantic than a handwritten letter? You said it earlier, April. I mean, you know, like, write her a letter. And so I wrote a letter, this letter actually. And so on February 16th, 2010, I sat down and wrote this letter that actually is Five pages front and back. Yep, welcome to my life. Had a lot to say, more like a novel. And so I sealed this letter and I sent it off to the Philippines. And two years later, it arrived. I'm kind of kidding, but it took forever. So our, our, our drummer today, Corey, our piece of mailman, he was not working in the Philippines. Like he could have gotten it there faster. It took forever, and, but she finally got it. And so when Whitney received this letter, she had a decision to make. Should she open it? Duh, that's not really even a question, okay? Come on, people. But here's what the letter contained. The letter contained clarity for her. See, up to this point, we knew each other on a certain level, but she was gonna get to know me more than she ever had through this 
letter. Also, she was going to get clarity about who she was to me. So not only would she get to know me, she would also get clarity about who she was to me. So of course she opened it. And with that clarity, then she had a decision to make. Okay, where do we go from here? Do I burn it? Do I throw it away? Thankfully, she had none of those. But she had a decision. But thankfully, because of this letter, because she read it, she could make that decision with clarity. And when I think about the power of a letter, I think about the fact that now we have a year and a half year old son, another son on the way, eight plus years of marriage. I would say this letter has changed my life. There is power in a letter. And that's the title of our series that we're starting today. You know, I start off by talking about this letter, but I want to tell you about another letter a letter that was written by Paul. He was a leader in the early Jesus movement. And Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. And this letter we've preserved in a scrapbook, by the way. Yes, I made a scrapbook for. In a scrapbook, we've preserved this letter for eight plus years. The letter that Paul wrote has been preserved for between 1,957 and 1,959 years because it was written between 60 and 62 AD. And what this letter offers us is really the same thing that the letter I sent to Whitney offered her. It offers us clarity. The letter to Whitney offered clarity about who I was and who she was to me. This letter that Paul wrote offers us clarity about who God is and who we are to God. So the question is, should you open it? Should you read it? I think we can all agree the logical answer is, Duh, of course we should. Now, there is one exception. If you're sitting here or if you're listening to our podcast and you have zero interest in knowing who God is, don't waste your time and read the letter of Ephesians. If you're sitting here and you have zero interest, like not, not even on your radio, you don't even care what God thinks about you, how you connect with God, like don't, don't read this letter. But the fact that you're here or listening to the podcast says something. Your behavior suggests that your interest level about Jesus is at least above zero. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So why not read this letter? And what if? What if it's a letter written by Paul, but inspired by the Holy Spirit? Inspired by the very Spirit of God. Wouldn't it be worth it to at least open it up and read it? So that's the invitation of this series that we would lean into the power of a letter and that we would read through Ephesians, that you and I, every single one of us would personally read through this letter. And so uh, one of the reasons that that we want to do this is because we have a very clear goal with this series. And the goal is this, people who have never read the Bible, read the Bible. That people who have never read the Bible, read the Bible. So if you're here and you're going, man, I've never read the Bible, You're in our goal for the series. We want you to read the Bible. And to help you do that, we need to remove barriers. Because we understand that it's one thing to open up a letter and read it that someone wrote to you. It's a little different to open up a letter written almost 2,000 years ago and figure out what it's saying. And that's why our phenomenal executive assistant, Katie Maxwell, she built a version Bible study for each of us to do during this series. So audience participation, everybody get out your phones. Look, you were just on Instagram. Just click the screen. Nobody will know. And then just, I know you got your phone. Come on, people. Audience participation in the back row. We got some phones back there. I see it. Thank you. All the way in the cove over here, the alcove. All right, front row. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. I like it. So you've got your phone. Here's how you can access this Bible study, YouVersion study. First, if you do not have the YouVersion app, take some time and you can go ahead and download it. 
And then once you download it, what you simply need to do is go to more. It'll be on the bottom right of your screen. Just touch more. And then you're going to go to events after that. And if your phone's going slow or something, feel free to take a screenshot of this. But if you can, it'd be great if you just go ahead and do this right now and, and take care of it. And then you're going to choose public church. Now, you're also going to see another option called Public Church South. You're not going to choose Public Church South. That is the name that we affectionately use to refer to Emmon Street uh, Starbucks because so many of us are regulars there. But what happened as we were creating this, we actually made a version live before we were ready to make it live just to test it. And then we found out we couldn't make it unlive. And so there it is. It goes away tomorrow. But for today, make sure you choose public church. It should be the second one. And then you can just simply save the event. And what you want to do then is you're going to be able to scroll down and you'll see a four-day plan starting in week one. And throughout this series, we're actually going to be reading through the entire book of Ephesians. This series lasts through the end of July, so it's five weeks. And if you just simply follow this plan four days a week, then you will have read through the whole book of Ephesians. And if you're sitting here and you've never read the Bible, or maybe you've never read an entire book, what an accomplishment that, that you could accomplish simply in the next 32 days. Also, one of the reasons we're doing it in four days is to make it accessible. Look, if you've never read the Bible, it's pretty daunting to go, all right, guys, read it every day. <laughs> what? So we want to give you a four-day plan, so that way you've got some built-in skip days. And if you're somebody that follows Jesus, and hopefully that means you're daily in the Word already, hey, you got four days of this, and then you can use the other three days just to simply supplement your own. So I'm really excited about this, and, and the other key part is that we need to give you a strategy for how to actually study the Bible. It's not enough for us just to have this. So if you scroll down on the plan, you'll, you'll find SOAP. SOAP is our strategy for this, and it simply means scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And I'm not going to go through all of that because it's explained there. This idea is not original to public church, so you can Google it if you want more questions or if you have more questions and want more information. But what we're going to do is we're going to do a SOAP through Ephesians. And so as we're going through Ephesians, we're doing this together. Hopefully every single one of us will be going through this. And then on Sundays, we're only going to go through the first two chapters because Ephesians is pretty dense and it's phenomenal. And so we just want to take our time. And then the hope and prayer is that next summer we'll come back for Power of a Letter Part 2 and we'll restart this. So you may be sitting there going, okay, I get it. It's simple. I can get on version. If we could put that up one more time, just in case anybody is finishing that. You're like, okay, I could get on version, do this thing, but I'm still just not convinced that I want to do it. I just want to remind us, here's what's offered in this letter. Clarity. Clarity about who God is. Clarity about who we are to God. Not every answer. <laughs> we couldn't possibly do that in just one book of the Bible, just one letter. But we can have clarity about who God is and who we are to God. So if that is available to us, why wouldn't we read it? And if you're still sitting there going, I'm just not sure if I'm going to do this, my prayer is that as we dive into the introduction today, that by the end you'll go, yep, I'm going home. And this afternoon I'm doing my day one soap. I am in. So we're going to start in verse 3, chapter 1. You can literally follow along on the Bible study on version. You can follow along in your Bible or also um, on the screen. And so just a little context of this letter, the city of Ephesus was the capital city in the Asian, uh, in, a, in a, the, the province of Asia in the Roman Empire. It was an incredible city. 
bustling with lots of trade. It was an international hub for trade, multicultural, just a really exciting place to be at this time. And we're going to be talking more about the historical context as we go throughout this series. But we also need to know for today that as Paul wrote this, that Paul actually started the church in Ephesus. He spent over two years, though. So as he's writing this letter back to these people, he's writing to some people who are are deep friends. He's got deep relationships with some of the people that he's writing to. So Paul does what anybody does in a letter. He introduces himself. I mean, come on, people. It's real simple. That's what you do when you write a letter. But then in verse 3, he starts a sentence. More on that in just a moment. He says, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So what Paul does here is he starts off and just says, all praise to God. And that, plus the fact that he just begins one sentence that continues all the way through verse 14 in our Bibles. Like if we were reading in Greek, the original language, we would know that verses three through 14 are all one sentence. So we take his introduction, plus the fact that it's just one sentence, he goes on and on, that he's very elaborate in his descriptions of who God is. Man, Paul's fired up. And so he's saying, look, here's the thing. All praise to God. Here's who he is. The first thing Paul wants us to know about God is that God exists as a trinity. Now here's what I mean by that. He says, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that'd be the son. If you go to the end of the sentence, which in our Bibles is verses 13 and 14, he mentions the Holy Spirit. I say this because it's important for you to understand if you're reading through it, maybe you've never read the Bible, like why are all these different names of God and different references? Here's why, because God is one, but expresses himself in three distinct personalities, completely unified, yet also unique. Here's the big thing. God exists in community. So if you're wondering why we push community groups, Jade Morgan did a great job talking about community um, during hosting. If you wonder why we're gonna be talking about Ephesians in our community groups, talking about our soap in community groups, it's because God exists in community, so we should too if we claim to follow him. So we think about who is God. The first thing we see is that he exists in community. And then if we look on and continue verse three, it says that this God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Every spiritual blessing. We could actually insert the word benefit for blessing and it still be true as far as the interpretation. So so here's what Paul is telling us at the beginning of this long sentence. He's kicking off this letter and he says, look guys, every spiritual benefit is accessible to us. Now he says spiritual because he doesn't want us to go on materialism and think money and big houses and all that. He's not talking about that. He's saying every single spiritual benefit, what are spiritual benefits? He's saying the more that you long for is found in Jesus. All our soul level desires are satisfied in Jesus and only Jesus. There are immense spiritual benefits that are accessible to us by God, which begs the question, then why in our everyday lives, why in the life that you walked into this gathering with and the life that you'll leave this gathering to go back into, why do we not experience that more that we long for in Jesus? Why are so many of us going, man, that does not describe what I'm gonna clock in at Monday morning at eight o'clock. I think if we asked Paul that, he would say, perhaps we need to increase the size of our God. 
And so as we keep, continue reading, that's what he's going to do. He's going to increase the size of our God for us. Verse 4, he says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Think about this. Even before God made the world, that's pre-creation, God loved us and chose us. So just show of hands, how many of you were born in the 2000s? Raise your hand. We're in the 2000s? Yep, there's a few of you. Good. How many of you were born in the 1900s? If you're warning, that's all the rest of us, okay? Just <laughs> trying to help you out. Easy questions for you. Just, just land here for a moment. God chose you. For every single one of us who follows Jesus, God loved you and chose you before he created a single atom that now forms our universe. And we didn't even begin to exist until the 1900s. But we must have existed in God's mind as he saw us and loved us and chose us. Come on. The next verse, it gets even better as it says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And then I love the last part of this. So he adopts us into his family. And the last part of that verse says, this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Why did God choose to adopt us into his family? Was it because we were awesome? Because of anything we had done? Because he was peer pressured by the angels to do it? No, he just wanted to. And it gave him great pleasure. So who is God? Paul's saying, just zoom out and see that God is unrivaled. That he's showing us a God who reigns supreme over all the universe. And he wants us to increase the size of our God to see who he really is, that he is unrivaled. And if we go on, we, we see how he's unrivaled if we look at verse 10. And this is the plan. At the right time, at the right time, here's what that means, that God is outside of time picking the time that he wants. That God's not going, huh, do you think I can do it now? No, he's outside of time going, I created time and everything in time, so I'm going to do it, boom, here. And nothing and no one can stop me because he is unrivaled. This is absolutely amazing for us to think about. And here's what he's doing. At the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven, everything on earth. In other words, here's one of Paul's major ideas. Salvation is a pre-creation orchestration by God. Salvation is a pre-creation orchestration by God. Orchestration is one of my favorite words. Here's what it means. It's a, a special level of planning where you're not just planning something, you're taking time to think about the potential outcomes and the obstacles that you're gonna face and therefore you make a very strategic type of plan. And Paul wants us to know that salvation is a pre-creation orchestration by God. So you may say, okay, what's salvation? Paul tells us in verse seven, he says this, that he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That Jesus died on the cross, even though he never sinned. The innocent took our punishment. And because of that, we can be freed from what's holding us captive. We can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. That is salvation. 
And Paul wants us to know that salvation was not an afterthought, that God wasn't sitting there going, all right, let's see how this plays out. Oh, man, they messed it up. What are we going to do? Can we text in some ideas to me? Because I need some ideas. Like, how am I going to rescue this? No, salvation was something that God thought of before he even created a thing. Think about that. Before an Adam, before anything was created, God already had his rescue mission to save us from ourselves planned. And nothing and nobody could or has stopped him. Isn't that amazing you think about? You know, one of the problems with our orchestration is that we can't see all the possible outcomes or obstacles, can we? And that's one of the reasons that when I meet somebody who's able to orchestrate really well and then implement a plan, like, I, I'm in. I, you, you've got my attention. If you can orchestrate a plan and then implement it successfully, like, here's what I want to do. I want to sit down with you and I want to ask questions. And I want to know how you did it because it's so hard for us to do. And God just pulled off an unparalleled orchestration in history that he could set this plan in motion before time and that nothing could stop it and he brought it to be at just the right time. And you know what that does for me? That makes me go, wow, God, you are amazing. Just My mind is absolutely blown when I think about our unrivaled God and what he has done. Now, here's a trap that we as Jesus followers often fall into at this point. We look at verse four, and if you're reading the ESV, it says the word predestined. Or if you're reading the NLT like we are, it says that he decided in advance. Or if you look at the end of verse 11, it talks about him again, deciding beforehand. And we fall into this trap where we focus solely on those words, and then we just get into this debate that leads to division, and we start arguing. And here's what Paul wants us to do. Paul wants us to recognize that what unites us is so much greater than what divides us. And Paul's not wanting us to get into an argument. No, the context of this is Paul wants to blow our minds and cause us to go, whoa. He wants us to look at what Jesus did. Just just zoom in on Jesus and realize that while he was on the earth, Jesus called his shot and pulled it off. Now, here's what I mean. It's World Cup season. Any soccer fans? That's great. There's, okay, two of you. Man, that was going to be a bad illustration. Okay, so I'm just going to talk to the three of you real quick. The rest of you guys, you know, we'll get you in just a minute. So it is World Cup season. And so our women are competing for that, the U.S. women's team. So if you think about calling your shot, this would be the equivalent of Megan Rapinoe or Alex Morgan telling the defender, hey, look, I'm going to lean left, I'm going to go hard right, and then I'm going to kick it, and it's going to go just over the goalie's outstretched arms into the right corner of the goal, and that's how we're going to beat you, and then pulling it off. Like, that's basically impossible. Yet guess what Jesus did? He called a shot. He got his followers together, and he said, hey, guys, I'm going to die. Relax. I'll be back. And they were like, what? (laughs) They did everything but relax. He called a shot. He predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. Why? Because salvation is a pre-creation orchestration by God. And anybody that can call a shot like that, I'm like, I'm in. You're unrivaled. And I want to follow you. That's who our God is. So maybe if we're sitting here today and we're not experiencing every spiritual benefit, what we need is to take a step back 
and just go, whoa, look at the size of our God. And as for the debate, as for digging into that, I, I sought out the counsel of one of my friends, Judson Kirkpatrick, because if we get into the theology of it, Judson and I are going to land at a little bit different places. And I just want to read a quote from Judson. Judson said this, Jesus followers should agree that God is totally sovereign. That means he's all powerful, he's unrivaled, and that our choices truly matter. That God is in control and we are responsible. We can agree on those truths even if we disagree on how they work. What unites us is so much greater than what divides us. So what we need to do is be blown away by God whose planning is unparalleled. He's sovereign and no one even begins to compare with him. So can we take a moment and just praise Jesus for who he is? This is our unrivaled God. And the second question, so who are we to this unrivaled God? Well, thankfully, Paul's gonna answer that as well. If we look back at verse three, we're gonna begin to find the answer. In verse three, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we are united with Christ. Because. We are united with Christ. Here's another big idea for Paul. Everything that we are to God is wrapped up in Jesus. Everything that we are to God is wrapped up in Jesus. And that's why we can't just read this letter or we can't just sit in this gathering and have a little list and go, okay, here's who we are to God. There's five things. No, no, no. What we need to do is just look to Jesus. So as you're reading this individually at home, as I'm reading this, what we need to do is every time we see the name Jesus, we need to slow down and say, okay, well, what is going on here? Who are we in Jesus? Because everything we are to God is wrapped up in Jesus, which leads us to another observation. So if you're sitting here and you're going, man, my life is not characterized by every spiritual benefit. Perhaps it's because your God's too small. And Paul says, hey, see the unrivaled God. But perhaps the other reason is because you're not united with Jesus. And Jesus followers, we need to understand that it's possible to be a Jesus follower, but not be unified with Jesus. And some of us are that way because of our lack of time in the word. It is impossible to have distance from God's word and not also simultaneously create distance with Jesus. If you're like, man, how do I get closer to God? How do I get closer to Jesus? It's got to start by leaning into the power of a letter. And so that's why this series isn't just an invitation to those of you who've never read the Bible to read the Bible. It is that. But it's also an invitation to some of us who follow Jesus but have taken a break. It's an invitation for us to re-enter because the only way we're gonna know who we are to God is to look at what this letter and the rest of God's word says about Jesus because everything we are to God is wrapped up in Jesus. So let's just look for a moment. In verse four, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. We are chosen in Christ. And here's the best part. He chose us to change us. 
God loves us and meets us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. So he chose us to change us to be holy and blameless before him. I don't know about you, but I did not walk into this gathering holy and blameless, far from it. But every day, if I continue to embrace the journey of following Jesus and keep following him one step at a time, he chose me and he's changing me to eventually lead me to a place where I am holy and faultless before him one day when I stand before him face to face. The very next verse, God decided in advance to adopt us. Check this out. That means that who are we in Christ? We are royalty. We are sons and daughters of the unrivaled king of the universe. That is our identity in Jesus. Verse six, we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. We are recipients of his glorious grace, a grace that is undeserved and unmerited and that we can't even begin to understand. And if you lean into verse eight, a grace that comes packaged with the wisdom and insight that so many of us are grappling for. Verse seven, we already read it. We are freed and forgiven through the death of Jesus. And then if you look at verse 10, it says, and this is the plan at the right time. He will bring, here's the key word, everything together. Everything together under the authority of Christ. And in case we missed it, everything in heaven, everything on earth. In other words, our personal salvation is part of an all-encompassing restoration. That you and me, our personal salvation is part of an all-encompassing restoration where the entire universe all the brokenness in the universe is being restored in and through Jesus. Everything we are to God is wrapped up in Jesus. And if you look at verse 13, the end of it says, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. How? By giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance. Hey, who doesn't want an inheritance, people? Come on, like, I'll take an inheritance, right? Write me into your will. I will not object. We're written into God's will. Like, we, and we are guaranteed that we get the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. We'll get to that last phrase in just a moment. And what is our inheritance? Back to verse three. It's not material. Every spiritual benefit. It's the fact that we can begin in the here and now to experience the more we long for and to have our soul level desires satisfied in Jesus, but they will never fully be satisfied until we're standing before him face to face. Our, our future is beyond the earth. Our future is in the presence of Jesus forever, where everything will be restored. And we are guaranteed that in Jesus because he gave us his very spirit. Such clarity about who we are to God. And that clarity began with who God is. So if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, you've heard about who God is, that he's the unrivaled God of the universe. You've heard about every spiritual benefit that is offered to you in Jesus. So because of that, do you want to follow him? Do you want to follow him today? 
Do you want to step into your identity as a son and daughter of the unrivaled God of the universe by surrendering to the Jesus who died for you and predicted his own resurrection and then pulled it off? And if you do, then just tell him. There's no magic prayer or magic words. You just be honest with Jesus. And there is no better day than today to start following Jesus. But I get it. Some, some of you, you may not quite be ready. You're thinking, you're right. I, I'm not experiencing the more I long for, and my soul level desires aren't satisfied, but I, I'm just not ready to hand over the reins to Jesus. I, I hear, okay, he's unrivaled, like, whatever, but I'm just not ready. Then I'll just invite you to go on a journey with us. Read Ephesians anyway. Maybe for the first time in your life. And when you get to Jesus, slow down and pay attention to what it says. Because even if you're convinced this isn't true, would you give God a chance to prove himself to you? And that's the invitation if you don't follow him. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how to respond. I've got this feeling in me, but I just don't really know how to articulate it and put it into words. Our prayer team is phenomenal. And they would love to pray for you. They would love to discuss your questions. Look, they're not gonna have all the answers. None of us have all the answers. But they could meet you where you are and begin to just pray for you and walk with you through that feeling that you've got on the inside. And for those of us who follow Jesus, or even if we don't follow Jesus, why would we not read this letter? The logical response is to open it up and read it for clarity clarity about who God is, clarity about who we are to God. And so would you commit to say, hey, this week I'm in four days a week. And maybe in the next few moments, you just get out your phone and text somebody and say, I need to do this, but I just need you to make sure I do it. Would you hold me accountable? And really here's the stakes. So this letter, this letter changed my life. But the letter Paul wrote has the power to change our eternity. So will we lean into the power of a letter? Jesus, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for who you are. And I just ask you to give us the courage to respond outside of this time and to lean into the power of a letter, to read Ephesians. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I just wanna close with the end of verse 14. It says this, that he did this so we would praise and glorify him. So Paul begins this sentence all the way back in the beginning of verse three, and he says, all praise to God. And then he ends it and says, he did this so we would praise and glorify him. In other words, what's Paul's agenda? That we would worship because worship starts with the word and worship is a response. We've had the word and now we get the privilege to respond to say, man, all praise to the unrivaled God of the universe who did everything. He, he chose us before the creation of the world so we could be blown away by him and so we could respond by giving him all the credit and all the honor that he deserves. So take a moment and reflect. But when you are ready, we have an opportunity to finish this gathering by worshiping with passion to the God who's unrivaled and deserves all our praise.